Please be seated. May grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are kicking off a new series this new year, and we're going to walk through uh, the book of Isaiah. We're not going to walk through, it's a big book. There's, I think, 66 chapters in Isaiah. It's ginormous. We're not going to cover every single book, every single verse in the book of Isaiah. We're going to cover a lot. And Isaiah is a beautiful book. All scriptures is God-breathed and inspired by God. But God used the various authors with their skills, gifts, and talents to, to write. And so if, when you read the Gospel of John uh, in the original Greek, um, it's very, um, very simple grammar. Um, if you're learning Greek, you always start with the Gospel of John. It's like, see Jesus? Jesus walks on water. Go, Jesus, go. It, it's not that simple, but it's, it's kind of like that. Isaiah isn't like that. Isaiah was written by a scholar, a poet. I've been told that Isaiah contains uh, some of the most beautiful passages written in all of ancient literature. Now, my Hebrew was never good enough to actually appreciate Isaiah written in the original language. Good enough to go, I know what that word means, and a verse later, I know what that word means, and I don't remember the rest of the middle. But apparently, it's really, really good. But it also has beautiful passages of grace. So many, in fact, that some people call Isaiah the gospel of Isaiah. Because it's so wonderful. It's such strong images of grace. Let's be walking through Isaiah. Oddly enough, but Isaiah begins his book, chapter 1, of course, but his call, he doesn't tell us about that until chapter 6. So we're starting our study of Isaiah in chapter 6, and we'll drop back to chapter 1 next week. And he begins his, his, his call narrative with these words. In the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah had been king for about 50 years good king, a beloved king, a king after God's own heart. And as you can imagine, when a king like that dies, there is a nation that is at unrest and unease. Who will rule us next? And will he be like our previous king? Or will we be stuck with some horrible son? And God appears to Isaiah in the temple. And his manifestation is, is incredible. The temple is considered to be the, the throne room of God. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant uh, had what was called the mercy seat. It was to, to depict an image of God's throne room in heaven. So the Jews believed that God was omnipresent, that he was everywhere, of course, but that he was especially present in Jerusalem, and especially present in the temple of Jerusalem, and especially, especially, especially present in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. Isaiah is not in that Holy of Holies room, but he's in the room just outside of it, where sacrifices were done, and offerings were made. It's a large room, especially by standards of those days. It's about 180 feet long, so imagine approximately two-thirds the length of a football field, about. 
It's 90 feet wide, so again, about two-thirds the width of a football field. Or as you prefer, a soccer field. There we go. It's 50 feet high. A large structure for that day and age. And Isaiah reports that God filled the temple. The train of his robe enveloped the entire structure. And Isaiah reports he saw seraphs, which really is just a transliteration of the Hebrew. And it means seraph comes from the Hebrew word to burn. He saw burning ones, people who looked like they were on fire with wings. Praising God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Imagine. Have you ever had a moment where you were struck with the holiness of God? The holiness of a moment. Maybe you've seen a child being born. And you're struck with just a holy moment. Perhaps you've seen um, maybe a uh, a meteor shower at night. It's a holy moment. Rick Riley used to write for Sports Illustrated. He, he writes about a holy moment. There is this uh, this line of people to see and to touch and have a picture taken with the Stanley Cup. Meteor hockey fans. Really? Even know there that how many hockey fans existed. God bless you. All right. So you know the Stanley Cup, right? It's the best trophy in all of sports because other trophies they get a trophy and you and you keep the trophy, right? And then they make another trophy for the next year. Not the Stanley Cup. There's one Stanley Cup, and when you win it, you keep it for a year. And if you're on a team that wins it, you get a day with the Stanley Cup to do whatever you want with it. And there's stories of what has happened to this cup. This cup has seen more things in its lifetime than any piece of furniture ever, right? <laughs> and so uh, one team, I forget which team, won the Stanley Cup, and they had like a <clears throat> kind of a visit the cup day for their fans. And fans stood in line for hours to see, touch, and have a picture taken of the Stanley Cup. And there's this one young man, and he finally gets to the front of the line. And he looks at the cup, gets his picture taken next to it, but he won't touch it. And they asked him, well, why won't you touch the Stanley Cup? You've been in line for hours. And the kid said, I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I'm not good enough to touch the Stanley Cup. In an odd sort of way, he had a holy moment. You know, a moment where he realized that he is small and that there's things in this world that are bigger than he is. The holiest of moments is when you realize that you're not the center of the universe, that God is big, and that you are small. Isaiah has the holiest of holy moments. 
and he responds in the only appropriate way. Woe is me! Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, he's saying, I am a dead man. I've seen God. This is God before the Incarnation. This is God before Christmas. This is God before the manger. But it's not God before atonement. That moment, one of the, the seraphs, one of the burning ones, goes and grabs a, a live coal from the altar. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting passage. It's like when the burning ones flew and grabbed a burning coal and touched it to my lips and it didn't burn. <coughs> weird. You expect the passage to go, then one of the burning ones grabbed a burning coal and touched to my lips, and I screamed in agony because it really hurt. But Isaiah doesn't write that. But a burning coal doesn't burn on the burning one. Instead, the seraph says, your sin is atoned for. See, the altar is a place where they gave burnt offerings. That's why there's a live coal there. And they'd give burnt offerings of thanksgiving or burnt offerings to atone, to cover over sin. And in that moment of holiness, Isaiah, by the grace of God, is made holy. And Isaiah writes this. Heard the voice of the Lord. Who will I send? Isaiah responds, Beth, thanks for having us repeat it. Here am I. Send me. God uses Isaiah for two reasons. The first is this He's humble. God uses the humble. Because the humble know it's about God. And the humble know that their strength comes from God. And the humble know that God is holy and they are not. And the humble know that grace and forgiveness and life comes from God. God has trouble using the proud. Remember, I was uh, studying to be a pastor in St. Louis. And I was assigned a mentor pastor. And uh, he took me out to lunch one day, a group of us actually, and uh, he was telling us about a phone call he just received. See, he'd, he'd been mentoring pastors for, for decades. And he found out about one young man he'd mentored uh, about 10, 15 years before. And, and this young pastor had fallen into adultery. And he said, this guy had everything. He looked like a Greek god. He preached like Paul straight out of seminary. He was the best pastor I have ever seen. Pray to God you never get that good. What? We're praying right now we get close to that. That's what we're praying right now. He said, no, no. Pray to God you never get that good. Because God can't use the proud. God uses the humble if he has to, he'll humble the proud so he can use them again. Because he loves them. God uses the humble 
But he also uses the willing. He uses the willing because they're ready to receive. And because they're ready to receive, they're also ready to give. This weekend, I had a reminder of, of how God uses the willing. It started Friday morning. So I get up, get ready to head off here to church, and I can't find my wallet. I just can't find it. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm checking jacket pockets, I'm checking everything. I can't, I can't find it. And then my daughter says to me, I have to go to basketball practice, can you move your car? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So I go out to the driveway, and the car won't start. And she's blocked in, she can't move. So now I can't find my wallet, then my daughter can't go to basketball practice, the car's broken down, so I'm like, okay, this is my wife's car. So we hop in my wife's car, we drive, drive her to school, drop her off for basketball practice, I get here, internet's gone. Gone. Call CenturyLink, spend an hour on the phone, hour and a half on the phone with CenturyLink, and they said, well, Troy, you know, they're like, could you unplug it and plug it back in? Yeah, 20 times, all right? It didn't work. That's why I'm calling you. If it was that easy, I wouldn't be spending an hour on the phone with you. <laughs> trying all these things. They're like, well, you need to reset the router. So you have to walk downstairs and push a pin in the back of it, reset the router. Did that work? No, it didn't work. Oh, we'll send someone out. Uh, how's next week sound? Next week sounds horrible. <laughs> so I said, yeah, sure, next week. And then I call my buddy who works for Century League. I'm like, dude, we're so in trouble here. Can you come on by? He's like, yeah, I'll come on by lunch break. So he comes by, fixes the internet, and then he says, oh, by the way, the worst thing you can do is reset the router. Because now your computer has a different IP address and nothing's communicating with anything else. So we can't send out grace notes, but the internet's working, so we can send it out now. But we can't print the bulletin because the bulletin can't talk to the printer. So I call the Xerox guy. I'm like, hey, Keith, you gotta help me out here, buddy. He spends an hour on the phone with me trying to make the computer talk to the printer again. Get all that done. Walk outside to pick up my daughter from basketball practice, and someone has used the hose in the front of the church in winter, which is like a really good way to burst your pipes and flood your basement. Now I'm mad. <laughs> I am furious. I'm, I'm yelling things you don't want to hear me yell. It's not good. Finally get home after accomplishing nothing all day. Go downstairs. I'm like, well, I better just help out around the house get something done around here. So we're doing laundry. You know, when we do laundry, it's like Mount Haynes. We call it, there's a Mount Haynes, by the way. And there's Mount Haynes at our house that the laundry just piles up. And we're like, okay, I'll do some laundry. Throw some laundry in. Water starts spewing everywhere. Like the washing machine is possessed. It's like the exorcism. Outside. That's it. I'm done. I am done. If one more thing breaks, I'm taking it out to the field behind my house. I'm shooting it. It might be illegal, but it makes it feel better. I was done. And then I got a Facebook message. My friends, uh, Chris and Dernice Lorenz from college. And a couple months ago, uh, they got an ultrasound and found out that the baby she was carrying uh, was not going to live outside the home. And they decided to, to carry the child. And she gave birth Friday, Friday night. 
and they, they hired a photographer, and uh, they brought in their pastor to do a baptism right, right after birth. Because they thought they would have a few minutes with their child. That was Friday night. Saturday, I'm getting Facebook messages of pictures all day long. They brought their, they have four kids, and the kids are able to hold little Gabriel. And they had little Gabriel for uh, a little over 24 hours. It's about 23 more than they thought they were going to have. As I'm sitting there preparing my message, feeling sorry for myself, there's a washing machine over. Realized, you know what, there's probably more important things in life than, than a broken washing machine. God worked through them in this horrible moment to create a holy moment. See, the husband wrote this. Rejoice with the heavenly host as they welcome their newest member, Gabriel. We will miss you tremendously. Thankful for the time we had, our risen Savior, and the assurance of heaven. Thank you for all the prayers. Please keep us in your prayers, especially the kids. This is how God sends people. He might as well have written, Here we are, Lord, send us. Because that's what they did. And that's how God sends you. He may not send you to Africa, He may not even send you to Cuba. But God will, if you're humble and willing, send you. He can. He has. He does. And He will send you. He'll use your gifts and talents to bless others. He'll use your brokenness to demonstrate His strength. He'll use your joy to encourage your hopelessness shoulders to carry the green. He'll use your hands to help the weak, your feet to walk in the shoes of others, and your mouth to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Who died and rose for you, for your friends, for your family, for your co-workers, Gabriel. And so, we start out in 2015, I want to ask you this. Are you humble enough to receive the grace of God? Are you humble enough to say, Lord God, I can't do this on my own. I can't be my own Savior. But Lord Jesus, you can. And you have. You will. The second question is this. Are you willing to be sent? Sent to your homes. Sent to your communities. Sent to your jobs. Sent to your families. Sent to wherever God might send you. And say, Lord, here am I. Use me as you will. And only a broken vessel to carry your grace. 
that through prayer, then 2015 is going to be an incredible year. Promise. Because God will use you to do things you never thought possible. To say things you never thought you could say. To love on people you never thought you could love. And to be a reflection of the glory, the grace, and by His power, the holiness of God. If you're courageous enough, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we need help. We need a Savior. Lord Jesus, we, we've, we've tried other methods. We've tried other gods. Lord, we put our trust in, in money, jobs, other people. And Lord, because other people are just like us, they fail. And Lord, money always fails. Lord Jesus, we need you. Forgive our sin. By your atoning blood, take away our sin. And by your grace, make us yours and holy. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, send us out to be your people in your world. Creating holy moments. Moments when your grace intrudes into a world dying without you. Here, yours, Lord. Here we are. Send us. Jesus our Lord, life everlasting.